What up, what up, Meepsters? This is Ryan Rainbro, and if you're hearing this, that means you're about to listen to one of the 99 free episodes of the Meep Meep podcast available wherever you cast pods. But keep in mind that there are new and unreleased episodes of the show on patreon.com slash meetmeetpod. So you'll want to sign up there to hear future episodes and also other side projects like Choo Choo, the show about soundtracks and contribute suggestions for future episodes as well. Will I listen to your suggestion? <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Patreon.com slash meetmeetpod. Bye! Welcome to Meet Meet, the Roadrunner podcast, where we explore the canon of Roadrunner records and how it informs music today. Let's roll! What up, what up, Meepsters? I'm Ryan Rainbow, and this week we have a special detour through our journey of the Roadrunner canon to stop and smell the blood-stained roses as we reflect on the best Roadrunner release of 2020 as voted by you and rigged by me. The debut EP by Rock and Roller's Salem, entitled Salem. Spearheaded by William Gould of Creeper fame, who are also residents of the Big Bird, Salem have a more straightforward throwback approach, and I can't get enough of it. Will was kind enough to talk to me about that EP, his early exposure to Roadrunner bands, and lots of wrestling. Not only that, but he sounds as handsome as he looks, so try not to fall in love like I did. Try. The Salem EP is by far my favorite Roadrunner release of 2020. Were you a fan of Roadrunner bands before you were on the label? Oh yeah, like that was actually like one of the main reasons that uh, we signed with them. Uh, it was really strange because like when we first got signed, um, I played in hardcore bands like for like seven years before I did Creeper, and we'd just given up on touring because it was so financially draining, and I was living at my dad's house, and so we started Creeper as a band for the weekend, just to like open shows in like a local area and our local scene and stuff. And it was really weird. Like this band we were in before never got anywhere. No one, no one ever gave a fuck really. But we just kept doing it and kept touring. Over here, it's really easy to tour mainland Europe because obviously it's just a, a ferry across. And back when we were in the EU, you could just go over there and just travel freely through all, all these different countries. Like uh, so, touring Europe was amazing for us. Like being teenagers and like in your early twenties and stuff. You know, so sick. It was so cool. So we used to do that all the time and kind of play squats and kind of punk houses and things in that band. So we weren't expecting Creeper to be anything different, you know? And then, like, uh, we put this EP up on, online um, just for our friends, but it kind of attracted the attention of, like, loads of major labels. That's all at the same time. It was the most weirdest thing in the world. Uh, and our first show is where we first met Roadrunner. Um, they came to see us in Southampton, where we're from. And... Uh, I, I remember, like, not even knowing they were there, but, like, meeting the dude uh, who's now manages us, actually. Uh, he was wearing a Danzig hat, and he met us in, like, the parking lot after the show, and we were having, like, a cigarette and stuff. And I was just like, oh, we're going to be best friends, you know? Like, like just, and, then, and then it turned out he worked for Roadrunner. But because, like, growing up with Slipknot, obviously, it was, like, when I was a kid, they were the biggest band in the world. Um, I'm sure they were at the introduction to Roadrunner for, like, a lot of kids as well. Um and also, like, Famous Monsters, like, that Misfits record, like, was a record that I loved when I was a kid as well. 
um like like, like all, all of that sort of stuff type of negative like all, like all these bands like historic massive icons and you know to, to had the opportunity to put something out on on that label in general was cool and i was kind of like they'd probably just put out an ep and then just drop us anyway <laughs> you know but right. i was like i was just like well, it'd be funny so yeah that's how it happened we we went with them rather than the other two uh because we were big fans of the label beforehand that's cool you mentioned famous monsters because that's actually my favorite misfits album and a lot of people don't know that they were on roadrunner because they did that and they did like a like a b-sides rarities album for roadrunner we, we, we actually toured with jerry only's misfits over here like uh, in like our first year of doing creeper and uh, he was like talking to us about that like uh it's like a gnarly story that like they're only on the label for such a small amount of time as well and it all like, ended really badly like I, I i don't know the people who were involved uh when when the misfits were on i think dave raff might have still been there did you ask jerry only about being in wcw well i know all about jerry only being in wcw but i didn't talk to him about it because his stint in wcw ended really badly because he got really badly beat up uh in that cage match and like was busted open but he bought like a wrestling ring and stuff <laughs> like uh so when it went, like, do you, I, I take it you must know that story right like uh Van, they, they were playing across the street and vampiro uh like was went over to see them and it's asked them on the day they'd come and do this run-in um for, for wcw and then they, they kind of got involved and jerry thought he was going to be like a wrestler now so bought a wrestling ring like his own ring and stuff and then he had this cage match and it became like a bit of a shoot and um so much of Rovan of his link like there's so much so many links to wrestling like uh in, in terms of like nxt uh we had a song for a uh, takeover um on our last record Code Orange, obviously, are super involved in in them in WWE uh, with Bray Wyatt, and uh, they're super clever. Those that that band, I love Code Orange, um, but like their ideas. That, that I was told this idea that they had about when they when they joined Roadrunner, and um, Dave Raff told me this actually. He told me that they wanted to do like a Roadrunner Red and a Roadrunner Black, like the NWO. I thought that was a sick idea, you know, like these two sides of the same company. Um, and like, like, like they, they was they were gonna do an NWO thing. It was gonna be this kind of rivalry between the two, or something like that. So it's like a heel and a face faction. But um, I thought that was a really neat idea, kind of innovating using wrestling tactics. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a sick idea for sure. That's actually how I found out about Creeper was because you were on that NXT Loud. We've done a couple of things. I did a really cool thing with WWE once as well at Download Festival over here. They had like a they had like a, like a ring staff and stuff. And it was the coolest fucking thing, man. I got to go through like the gorilla, and uh, and and they gave me like a, a microphone and stuff. I had a Titan Sean. like, and got to go around the ring, and um, but I was there for like to do like an interview bit, like because we were we were playing that year, and um, and I got to choose like two of the NXT guys to, to chat to. But I spoke, I, I chose uh, Ruby Riot and um, Alistair Black, who were the two I really liked at the time um, in NXT. When you grow up watching wrestling, like, I, I guess you have as well. Like, it's uh, was just cool seeing, like, Prince Albert was there, you know, like, at Gorilla with, with a headset on. I was like, this is gnarly. Like, this is the sort of thing that uh, that you read about and that you've heard about. And it was just cool. I was holding a microphone. I was like, this reminds me of being a little kid playing in the garden with my brother, you know, suplexing <laughs> him on the grass. <laughs> yeah, I always say it because, like, I've met my favorite musicians and bands that have like super influenced my life that I've listened to for years. And I never really feel like any sort of starstruck thing. I'll feel admiration and I'm excited to meet them, but I never am like, just like, you know, googly eyed, but wrestlers, because to me, they're almost like, 
you know, like cartoon characters, like they don't even make sense that they're real. Not even that they're like above me. They just, they're, sometimes I forget that they're even 3D human beings that whenever I meet a wrestler, I'm all, it it could be like, I remember I met R-Truth once in an Applebee's and which is like a crappy (laughs) diner here. Yeah, I I met Applebee's. Oh, and I was like geeking out. I was like, dude, remember when you won the NWA tie? I was, I was like really losing my mind. He was like, yeah, man, I'm just trying to, you know, eat my cheese sticks or whatever, but I appreciate your enthusiasm. Wrestling is one of the things outside of music that I can still really enjoy because, you know, I love music. Music's my life. But when I do it all day, every day, it becomes like a thing where like I can't consume any more of it because I'm, I, it's all I've done for a day. But wrestling's always been this thing just for me, you know. I think one of the coolest things about Raw back in those days was like how much it felt like you were at a rock show. Everyone was kind of little, like kind of teenagers in the audience, and kind of drunk, and like. <laughs> so I think, and then they're being like really kind of. Uh, extra kind of violent kind of uh, gore fest going on a lot of the time that was like uh of course that was going to make a really exciting product because everyone was screaming and that's when you watch the intro to those shows and you think about that like going into like a rock show like that's kind of a really similar vibe i mean the first gig i ever went to was ozfest back in 2001 i was a little kid like my cousin took me and uh, I was, it was crazy because everyone's fucking drunk and everyone's like so up for this event that you're at, like this music and it's cultural, it's tribal. And that's kind of what wrestling was like in the nineties too. You were a WCW guy or you were a WWF guy, you know, you're an ECW guy, you know? And, um, and I think that, that, that's why the, that, that it, it seems so much more uh, intense and potent back then. Those pops when Austin came out, you, you've, you've obviously seen all of those uh, over the years. Um, but the, what's the really famous, the Mick Foley one, where he, where he wins the belt for the first time and, and Austin comes out, uh, that pops is crazy. Uh, and I think all of those things I just mentioned kind of thread into that. I think it, feel, it feels like watching some sort of spectacle, some sort of rock show, like, like it feels like exciting and, and dangerous. And, um, and I'm not saying that's where wrestling needs to go back to because I don't necessarily think that myself. But I think it, it explains why uh, it seems so much more um, intense uh, back then. And with our PG products, you couldn't, you couldn't really get like the kids drunk, could you? And, or like you couldn't really like uh, have a recreate that vibe of like there was just, like a load of horn, horny young dudes um, kind of saying shouting horrible things at women and stuff. Like, you know, like it was like. <laughs> It was like really bad, like some of that stuff that was going on back then. But like, of course that makes sense in that world, you know, uh, like uh, it's it, it just kind of, it represents teenage years. And I think about when I was a kid, it was mainly male, my male friends that watched wrestling. It wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't know many girls that watched wrestling back then. The first thing that I always notice whenever I watch those older shows is how many signs there are back then. Everybody yes. had. Yeah. Uh, a dozen signs each. <laughs> Secondly, were you in to New Metal? You said you went to Rosfest 2001. Was that like what you were kind of, you mentioned Slipknot earlier. Is that like something that kind of goes in with WWE also? Because they, of course, you know, oh, yeah. was like the house band. But yeah, I, I loved all that stuff when I was a kid. My older cousin was into, into metal and stuff. That's how I got into it all. So when I was a kid, like the big stuff for me, I suppose, was like, I love Slipknot. I love, I love Black Sabbath as well. Like, like a, my, my neighbor when I was a kid, let me, um, the Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. And I absolutely love that. Masters of Reality, like some of my favorite records. But also like, uh, like Soulfly and, and Sepultura, bands like that. Um, I really liked, uh, like Marilyn Manson was massive back then as well. I loved Marilyn Manson when I was a kid. Like, 
so all of that that was kind of what was happening as I was growing up, you know. Um, that was the shit I kind, of, I kind of started getting into. How about you? Was it similar sort of thing for you then? Oh yeah, new metal is the basis of my entire existence. I mean, and Roadrunner was like the epicenter of all that. They had Soulfly, El Nino, Thirty Six Crazy Fists. Corn as well, right? They have corn now. But they didn't have corn back then. Did, did, did they not have corn back then? I, I seemed. I remember when they were re-signing corn. Like, uh, have you ever been to like the the, the Rovana office? Super cool. Like the the office there. It's in like the Atlantic building now because it's owned by Atlantic over there. Um, and they'd like. It's really cool talking talking to people out there. Like uh, you were around when like, that stuff that stuff was going on. Speaking about like getting those new metal bands in for the first place. I guess like there was a period of time where there's a guy over here called Danny Kaur who's worked with uh, with Roadrunner um, when it was I think it was when he was still an indie over here and he's kind of moved across to Warner when that when that happened. I think yeah, like it's cool speaking to people who remember it when it was back the way it was then. Because, I mean, it's amazing now. Like, I still think, I think Rovan is such an incredible label and, and they've been so good to, to my band. And I think uh, there's been a real resurgence in it. They've worked really hard to get, like, a new breed of people in, obviously, with, like, higher power from over here. Like, uh, like we're on 5B management as well, which is kind of Slipknot, and, and uh, our manager manages higher power as well as us. And uh, so we're kind of a little Rovan family, like, a lot of time. In the higher part, in the five B office, they have like the clown suit, one of the clown suits, and there's a Slipknot memorabilia there, like from like stuff they use on stage. That's I've always like blows my mind. I don't know about you, but Slipknot was such a big band when I was a kid. I remember where I was when I bought that first Slipknot record and put it home, and, and it feeling like really dangerous and like really scary. You know, there's a story about them playing in um in the city where I was originally born in Portsmouth, and uh, they were playing the Guild Hall there, and they were. Kids were ripping up seats from the balcony and throwing the seats off, like strips of seats, throwing them off, and they played a super dangerous show. But like I remember that being a soundtrack to it, and, and you know, I think the, the the kind of mythology around Slipknot almost kind of uh, surpassed it all as well. Kind of built it up in your head that it was uh, the music sounded even scarier because of that thing. Do you remember, like at the time, everyone was like, Slipknot throw puppies in the crowd and people kill the puppies, stab the puppies to death, <laughs> like all these weird, like that weren't true stories. We're kind of like part of the mythology of the band uh like the shit they used to do you know it's crazy yeah i remember when they did their first tour that i could have went to it was them and kitty opened the the story that someone told me was like they were like yeah slipknot will pull people up on stage and like beat the shit out of them and then throw them into this inflatable snake like a guar show and i was like oh i've never seen that and then I remember going to the show, and I all I could think of was like, "Where's this inflatable snake?" Right? I'm like waiting for this mouth, and uh, and the show was awesome. But but to your point, like, yeah, they just had like because this is pre. I mean, the internet of course existed, but it wasn't what it is now, where it's just omnipresent part of our lives. So you didn't know who, you didn't know what they looked like for sure. You know, now of course you know exactly who Corey Taylor is if you saw him walking down the street. But they all had the masks and the the numbers and. Uh, that first record is so, like you said, violent and scary, like, because they aren't millionaires yet, so they are genuinely terrifying people. And first of all, they were also one of the first new metal bands that everybody kind of universally respected, which was weird, too, because they had so much gimmicks with them, you know, like the jumpsuits and the uh, yeah. the masks and the DJ and the sampler, and they got the three drummers. So, so much stuff that you would think people would just make fun of, and I'm sure to a degree some people did, but nobody thinks that that first Slipknot record is like 
not sick. You know, even like metal purists are like, okay, well, that first record's pretty sick. You know what I mean? Nobody doubts them on that. I think the thing is about that first record is that like it was so undeniable. Like it didn't matter. Like the, 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 it's the perfect combination of like uh, the gimmick being really present because the gimmick really helped push and sell the band. Like it massively uh, was a massive part. Would they be as successful without the masks? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Like I think like uh, I think their music definitely stands up on its own, which is why they've become like one of the biggest metal bands of all time. Um, but I think the like the combination of the two like really really worked together. You know. Because if you didn't really like metal, if you didn't really like get on with the music, you might, like you might be drawn in by the image just enough to keep going with it, keep going with it, and then suddenly you're like, "Yeah, well, surprise! You like new metal now," you know? Like, um, <laughs> but like uh, if uh, but if you uh, if, if you had a trouble with um, the gimmick, the music, like and you, be, you like metal, the music did all the talking that the the, the image didn't do. Also, I, I suppose like I don't know, metal purists. Uh, you know, growing up with Black Sabbath, God, it's, it's, it's gimmicky as fuck as well. You know, like it's, it, I think metal in, in general has so much in common with. We've just been speaking about wrestling for most of this interview, but I think it really is so similar to professional wrestling. I think it really is. I think um, all the best ones have the right combination of gimmick and, and uh, especially in like metal and stuff and and, and like punk rock. I think punk's like a gimmick on its own, isn't it? <laughs> you know, like the. Uh, I think it's um, it's really naive to think that uh, people are going on stage not considering what they're wearing. Um, if you're in one of those sorts of bands, uh, obviously, the, like if you're Nirvana, you're just going to go on and whatever you're wearing. But like, that's not really what we're talking about, I suppose. You know, I think like big the big new metal bands and you know, the big uh, punk rock bands, like really proper, like really deep rooted alternative bands. Almost every one of them has a gimmick. Corey Taylor's half the Roadrunner roster between Corey Taylor, Stone <laughs> Sour, Slipknot. Which I was going to say, you're only one band away from the Corey Taylor Award of the Roadrunner roster because you got Sailor <laughs> and <Anthony. laughs> I'm trying my best to catch up with him. Um, he's, just too, he's, just, he's just too prolific, you know? Um, uh, yeah, like it's, it's, it's cool. Like it's, the this funny thing is about, uh, about Salem was uh, that it wasn't even supposed to happen. It was supposed to, it was just something for fun. And I think when lockdown hit, much like you with your job back in January, you know, I was like, shit, like, we can't, like, I've got to put the Scooper record out. Obviously, like, that's my, my baby. Um, but like, after that, we can't tour. Like, you know, like, what do you do? And, and I had this record on, on kind of the back burner for ages and that only my friends had really heard. And I was like, oh, like, I'd, I'd, I'd love to, um, to do something with this, make some use of this time. And, and, uh, and and put out a record and do something. And uh, the nature of, of, um, of, of my, the Creeper deal with uh, Roadrunner is that like their first refusal on anything I do outside of Creeper. But I was like, they're probably not gonna wanna touch this, you know, like this, they've already got one of my things and um, they'll probably just like pass on it. But straight away, like the, the guys in the UK over here, like really liked it and um, I just agreed to put it out straight away. So I was like over the moon, you know, like so made up and, um, and they've just taken another one off of me as well, which is really cool. So I'm working on the, the second one right now, like just trying to finish that that up. But uh, but it's been a really cool thing in um, in this period of time, you know, where everything just seems uh, so exhausting. You know, like it's so uh, like all, like all of us, as you said earlier on, like all of us are kind of um, really struggling at the moment, and it's uh, been really hard for everyone, I think. And uh, so it's really cool to be. Focusing on all these different things, I got I got more work than ever at the moment, which is I'm really lucky for and I'm really grateful for, and um, it's really cool that I've got a label like I do that really support and believe in the stuff that I make, you know. Um, 
not all labels are like that. Like, and I know from my friends that in, who are in bands or record labels. And so I think I'm really lucky to be uh, where I am and with those people around. When you were submitting or showing them this record, had you already named it after Sabrina the Teenage Witch's Cat? Or did you know that it was called Salem yet? Um, I can't really remember. I, I think I had it like tossed in. I have so many different ideas and I'm always working on so much different stuff that like I have like a bunch of like notes and things for and, and ideas and stuff like everywhere. So I, I pulled it from you like a, I wanted it to be I wanted the, the illustration and the cover. My friends uh, at HE Creative like, did do these kind of um, kind of Archie's comics, you know, like uh, uh, Riverdale and stuff. Like it's kind of like that style of, of, of comic book. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool? Because Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, used to be an Archie's comic. That's where it comes from. Uh, these these really old comics. That's how she was first envisioned. So I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if um, I had uh, a picture of my girlfriend on the front, but in the style of an artist comic, and we called it Salem because that's the cat from, you know, so it all kind of meshed together, the idea of the duality of it kind of being, uh, the, the, the songs being love songs, but like with really dark metaphors, and uh, but the, the cover is, you know, um, my girlfriend with a knife, uh, like, like in baby pink and stuff, and it's it's about witchcraft, and, and uh, so having Sabina referencing the, the comic books, kind of like the, 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 the yin, yin and yang, I suppose. Um, so I, I think I had like that stuff somewhere, like on, on a note on my phone. Do you, I don't know if you ever do that with your creative things. Do you ever like have a notes folder so on your phone just full of shit that you just, and sometimes you look through it and you think, what the hell was I thinking when I wrote that? Um, and other times like you have this kind of treasure trove of things you're going to pick through and can reply to different stuff. I think that's where the name came from, I think. Uh, I, I wanted to do something with this Archie style for a while. Um, because I was working on this comic book for a while that I was going to do myself too, but I never got around to finishing it. So I think a lot of it kind of stems from there. But I can't remember if I had the entire thing all packaged up when I showed them the songs or not. You know what's fucked up is uh, I thought I was making a hilarious joke about Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and turns out it's directly <laughs> connected. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's the uh, it's um yeah it's the old artist comics. That's that's why the the, the cartoon looks the way it does. Um, but it's funny, I, I think I, I, at first, uh, a lot of people thought it was like referencing the witch trials. And right. then a lot of people thought it was referencing the place. And then some people thought it was a TV show, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, a, it's one, of those, um, one of those names as well, where like, there's uh, a, someone was like, there's another band called Salem. And I'm like, I mean, I don't even know what to do at this point, because I'm in this band called Creeper, obviously. And then uh, there's a band in Texas called Creeper. I had to deal with them sometimes because we, when we, when we uh, took the name on, we, we didn't realize that it would be a problem. Think about like when you start a band, you don't think that you're going to get signed to a record label that was never really on my horizons when I started doing this. So we called it Creeper because there wasn't another Creeper in Southampton where I was living, you know, like all that people just be called Creeper. And then when you get signed, you have to go through this whole process of, oh, so Warner Brothers now have to look through and see if there's another creeper that we could potentially be sued by, you know, like, and so there was this band in Texas that had a trademark for Texas or something. And then you have to do a thing where you get a different trading name in America. So it was like Creeper UK in America. So yeah, it's funny, like the Salem thing, we've not had any trouble with that, which has been quite nice that even though um i keep picking these really generic band names which i really need to stop doing you know uh, <laughs> it's just starting to think something that's e easy to google as well you know i, I don't i'm not very really good at thinking like that you know ryan like i um i just think of what i would want, want it to be cool and then it's gonna be that and um 
if you try and Google my bands, you, you'll find the Minecraft from Creeper. Um, that's what you'll, you'll, that'll be number one. You'll, you'll see a little green thing from, from the video game Minecraft. And other than that, you'll see uh, pictures uh, of people in nightclubs with uh, a stranger in the background, kind of photobombing by accident, and they've tagged him as the Creeper. And so a lot of those. We'll get, and sometimes on Facebook, we'll get tagged in those sorts of pictures. You know, well, like, oh, someone's tagged us in something. Oh, no, that's just a stranger in the back of a picture in a supermarket or something. So with Creeper, your primary writing partner is Ian, right? Versus yes, yeah. Salem, was this more of a, I mean, you mentioned that you kind of had these songs lying around. I know that Matt uh, contributed to it as well. So were you writing them with Matt on the side? I know he kind of tours with you as a tech of some kind. Or were these songs that you kind of were developing on your own and he helped flesh them out? Or what was that relationship like with the writing process? Matt was uh, the creeper guitar tech for like years. Um, he didn't ever tour uh, in, in America with us, um, but he toured all, all through Europe and all through the UK. Uh, I, I came to him with one song called I Saw from the record. After I sent him that, like, he liked, he liked uh, sort of the arrangement out a little bit. And, um, then he was like, dude, we should write some songs together. So um, with like a, like the majority, it's, it's all like a collaboration, really. It's just, it's, like, he's a massive, massive part of it. He's like, 50% of it, you know, like, uh, so it's me and him. Um, and, but it, it was like, again, it's like, he's super easy. I've known him for years. He's like, a, like the best guitar player, like, uh, in Southampton. That's, that's what everyone would always say. So it was like really fun to, uh, to write with. Like a different thing for me. And a much needed like break at the time from what I was doing. I was going through like a, a really uh, tricky time uh, making the Creeper record. And uh, I was in America, I was in Los Angeles, like the, the entire time for that. So I was there for months and months and months and um, was flying back for a week and flying back out again. And so in those weeks I was, I was back when my hair was all like uh, really frazzled. It was really fun just to get together and write songs that we kind of, that from, from the scenes that I, I like we started in. And for like uh, the majority of my time, it's kind of been like punk rock and um, to do something like the Bouncing Souls or like, you know, uh, Kind of bad religion and Appline Trio and you know uh, like AFI um, and and like the stuff that like kind of we grew up on and, and stuff that all my first bands kind of sounded like. But I think Sodom's kind of a lot more like a more refined version of a lot of those things I was starting to to, to do when I was younger. And Creeper went into a different way, into, into a different route, which has been so rewarding and so much fun. But but I still get a massive kick out of playing fast and you know. I think the the by the way I like to describe like um, uh, Salem and, and those sorts of bands that I've done those songs I've written. It's kind of like you play fast but you sing slow. It's like a, I don't know if you ever listened to the Smoking Popes or something like that. Like they're, they're kind of the fast numbers, like uh, No More Smiles or something like that. Like where like it's quite fast paced, but he sings kind of he croons over the top, and that's why I, I I like doing um, with Salem and like it's kind of. All, all, all that ilk, they decide to do it a lot as well, you know, and kind of uh, like sl a slow croon over the top of something fast. It's just really fun to listen to. Um, so, yeah, it's going to have a turn to kind of form for me in, in a bunch of ways. Uh, kind of references a lot of bands I, I grew up with. Uh, Neil Kennedy worked on the Salem record, right? And he kind of had a hand in some of the more rockier Creeper songs. Is that safe to say? Yeah, well, he he did our uh, like our first three EPs and our first album. Uh, I've been working with him since I was like a teenager. He's like recorded my band since I was a kid, um, 
And he's, he's done loads of stuff from over here, like he did Boston Manor, Milk Teeth, uh, he did a band called Puppy from over here. Um, he's done like a, a bunch of stuff, like, like really, really cool um, kind of newer bands, up and coming stuff. Uh, and um, like he, he was tied to Creeper for a very long time. Um, the only reason we, we kind of stopped, we didn't go to him for the last one, because it kind of felt like we'd done the formula to death, you know. Like we, we ended up kind of doing that with, with Creeper, going in a completely different direction. Um, and with Salem, like when it came around, I was like, well, it was supposed to be for fun. I was like, well, no better person. He lives there. Like his studio is like, <laughs> like, like half an hour from Matt's house. So, uh, so it was like, and, and he's, he's also like one of my best friends. So I just called him up and was like, hey, dude, like me and Matt have written some songs. Do you, like, we didn't even have a band, you know. It was like our friend Aaron like came down and recorded some drums for it, and. Uh, Matt played bass and guitar on the record, and, uh, and it was me singing, and that was kind of it. Like that was the setup. It was like the three of us. Um, when we we did some shows, like some socially distanced things, and um, they were like, uh, we we have, we have our friend Randy play with us live with those, and he's like done a bunch of graphic design. He's worked for Creeper as well in the past. Sort of a, a, like a mishmash of kind of like Southampton, kind of the south of England, kind of family members, you know, like. You know how incestuous these scenes are. Everyone kind of knows everybody, and everyone kind of like helps each other out, and, and um, that's kind of what it was was like doing Salem. It was just a bunch of friends kind of working on something um, with no real end goal, and it's, uh, it's 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 been so much fun. It's been so like so much more than I thought it would be. You know, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said from the beginning that Creeper started off as this side thing from your main band, and it ended up taking <laughs> off. So, do you see Salem becoming more of a serious project going forward? You said you already got a second EP ready to go with it. Yeah. Well, the thing was, I think I think it's been really positive for me in lockdown to have something else uh, to work on um, with a different dynamic to what my other band is doing too. You know, because I love I love my other band, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm so proud of the last record we just made. Um, but like. I think I can't tour and I'm, I'm used to touring just constantly, you know? And so suddenly being at home every day, it's weird. Like it's a weird thing. And um, so like to, to keep active, to keep my brain going. Um, and I always feel like creativity is like a muscle. If you don't flex it enough, then you, you go stiff and you can't, you can't use it. And I think you have to keep, uh, keep developing ideas, keep making stuff, keep going. And um, I want to keep my, my mind active and, um, and keep 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 on working on stuff. So for that reason, I I've decided like it, it was so much fun. People responded so well to it. it the record sold out in like a week, um, and so, so Robot were really happy with me. And um, and then it was like this next. So when when they, when I I went and did the second one uh, when the lock it, when the lockdown lifted the first time, I went down and did it in Devon in a really beautiful studio down there, like uh, in the middle of the countryside, the English countryside. If, uh, just beautiful out there so cool um did that and um yeah so i was just uh really excited about um uh kind of just just seeing what happened with it and, and right when i took that one as well so it's like it's just been really cool and, and i mean i'm enjoying working with my girlfriend on on visuals and on uh, video stuff i have my friend ollie from static dress uh, a really great band from over here who does uh all of our videos uh, so i'm just using a lot of my friends and working with something where like there are minimal moving parts, you know, like Creeper. This is like a six person band, you know, like it's a huge band. We're, we're like Slipknot, you know, so there's like, <laughs> like not nine of us, there's six of us. And but it's so difficult to get anything because you have to organize all those people all the time. It's a nightmare. With Salem, it's super easy. We did like a Kerrang live thing uh, not so long ago, and it was so easy to put together. Um, 
and like so stress-free um, in a time that's super stressful, then it's like it's really fun. I'm I'm really really enjoying myself, and um, yeah, like as long as it's fun, I'm gonna keep doing it. I think uh, lots of we sold a lot of merch in America, and and I haven't been to America uh, with Creeper or with Salem. Uh, or, well, of course not with Salem. That's it's only just started, but I haven't been over there for a while, and I'd love to go over there with Salem and play some shows because it'll be nice to um, tour extensively with. Um, with a different project as well as my, my, my main one, you know. I'd like to get to a point where I could do both bands kind of concurrently and um, when I'm not on tour with one, go on tour with the other. Um, I think I'm one of those people that just wants to be busy all the time. And if everything stops and the world stops, it's like it has done. That is the, I can't chill out, you know, <laughs> like my brain runs away. Yeah, the cool thing for me with Salem is, you know, the Creeper record is incredible. And I'm not saying that to hype you up. I'm just saying like it's it's this monster of a of an album you know it's it's very uh epic feeling and i almost kind of have to first of all it's something that i have to listen to start to finish and i have to kind of be ready to listen to it whereas salem's a little bit more like uh like a comfort food kind of thing i can listen to that at any time you know it's 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 more comfortable it's more free-flowing it's more casual almost creeper can make me cry <laughs> or as salem is going to just uh kind of make me feel happy and or rock out or be bummed out that this girl doesn't want me to uh, be properly nourished. So I, uh, <laughs> I think that that's kind of the appeal for me when I was when I was looking at the two because I think I kind of expected Salem to just be Creeper Part Two. You know, you're the face of it, you're the voice of it, and it in all reality doesn't sound incredibly different from Creeper and and just its base layer, but really it's it's almost like stripped down versions of it, and it even seems like lyrically maybe they're. Uh, more of a casual approach versus you know the creeper albums are these these epic tales you know and there's these thread lines which are what make them so unique and, and fun to listen to but whereas salem you know i could just i could pick any salem song and jam out creeper i got i gotta listen to as a as a whole project is that how you kind of feel about it too when you're making it i think the thing is the, the creeper stuff is it's uh, these grand concept records they're in, in, incredibly complex to make and they take a long time to do and um and I love doing it. I think, I think it's, slowly, it's slowly killing me do it, doing it because it's just like so exhausting and taking on another one. It's like, oh my God, I have to go through this entire process again. And I love doing it. But it's like making, it's like making a film or something, you know? Like it's, there's uh, so, many, so many different uh, parts of it like uh, to take care of. Um, this time around with, the, uh, with the launching this last record, we made uh, Kind of a, um, a click and point context game, a 70s game online that you could uh, like uh, interact with and, and follow the narrative from there. You send emails to different people, this or this small town that it's based in, and uh, so that so that took months and months and months and months of my time with with Beth, my friend, uh, making that. But on top of that, we we did uh, kind of uh, this this whole cover EP over the course of the of the lockdown. But like it was the. The, the promo shoots, the, uh, the, the, the teasers that coming back from my year of silence, there was an Instagram stunt that, uh, that led to a secret show that went on uh, like right before, November, just before the lockdown last year. Um, and there's a million different things that we have to keep uh, on top of all the time. And, and we were about to launch into the March tour, which had an elaborate concept and an, uh, an elaborate costuming. And, um, and it's just really... Uh, Really, a lot of stuff. Like, uh, and so I think the lyric uh, and, and, and the narrative flows. We had all the, the spoken word parts, which uh, 
Patricia um, from the Gun Club uh, did, did for us, and just but like arranging all these different pieces of poetry, like alongside uh, this record that was really eclectic in terms of it had string arrangements on it, and it had uh, you know like Britpop songs, but then kind of Roy Orbison songs, and then like piano ballads, and then, like all these different things, and to try and balance all that and not just feel like overcooked and not like um, like uh, like a mess, <laughs> it, it, it's really difficult sometimes and. This one especially was like for me it's like the most ambitious thing I I kind of took on and uh, like like so far it's like a project and uh, when it was complete and it came out and it was so well received like it was like the most feeling but like getting to that point was like I I just hated it like it was so hard it was so complex doing Salem it was like okay this is fun let's have some songs we wrote them in an hour like and then we're like okay let's demo them I came over and wrote the lyrics really quickly. And uh, just uh, like about being in love with my girlfriend, I just fell in, fell in love with this woman, and um, and it's changed my life. And so I was writing these happy kind of uh, like upbeat kind of punk rock songs, you know, like uh, and and that's kind of what I've always done, uh, so to speak. But Creeper forces me to evolve, whereas um, Salem kind of flexes an old muscle, and I think um, that I need to keep flexing, I need to keep working, and uh, it's. They're two very different things. Like the the Creeper record took, you know, the best part of a year to make, maybe a little longer. Um, and the Salem record took four days. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like <laughs> two very different, they're very different beasts. And you know, I, I think I like, you know, I get a real hunger to get back into Creeper when I don't do it for a minute. And um, but uh, by the time the record came out, we did this like Creeper Con, which was like a, an online um, kind of pre-show. Like I was, I was basing on like the pre-show, the WrestleMania pre-shows. Um, it was supposed to be like that. At midnight, it came out worldwide over here in the UK, and um, it took like a free show. We had a presenter, and we filmed a lot of it in my living room, like on like a green screen with um, a friend of ours did was this narrator, and then everyone kind of phoned in bits. Our, our producer from LA, Zandy, did an interview, and uh, Patricia did one as well. Um, the, the, the band did one. The artist uh, Demon Dance, who did our, our logo, uh, which was a really important part of the uh, the entire thing as well, um, did a, a tutorial. Charlotte, my girlfriend, is a makeup artist who is responsible for all of the like amazing looks on that record. Like, do like a tutorial on that. So, speaking about the process of how we got to that place, is that took like like getting the makeup right took so long. Like, because it just uh, it was really elaborate, a really thick layer of makeup to try and make trying to transform me into this kind of uh, an, this kind of fallen angel character. And we had to do a load of test runs before we got there and send them off to the label and to the uh, to like RPR and stuff as well. So it was like. I suppose that's a behind the scenes thing and when it came out at midnight and the record was finally out there i just like breathed a sigh of relief i was like it's done now like, i don't tomorrow i can wake up and there's not going to be a job on the table for me to, have to <laughs> deal with uh, and with salem it was the opposite of that it was just like it came out and it was it was fun you know like there was, there was like a little bit of uh we, we had we had fun with it there was a a, a, a launch to it um but uh for the most part, it's just cute kind of uh, uh, cute love songs to kiss your golf girlfriend to, you know. Like uh, it's uh, it's it's fun like that. What was Ian's reception to hearing the Salem music? This this uh, music that you were even saying that kind of back in the day, you guys more or less made similar style together. Was he psyched about it? Was he bummed out that he wasn't a part of it? What was the reception there? I think. Um... I, I like it's hard to know. Like, like I think I think he was. He, he told me he was. He texted me on the day. He texted me saying he, he, he liked the music and everything. And so I, I, I have no reason to believe that he, he feels any anything other than that. Um, 
And I also think that like he had a lot going on in his own life. He's had a kid, uh, so he's got his hands very much full. And after everything that happened the year before, he was, um, you know, he was uh, he had a lot on his plate in, in his own life. And um, so I think uh, he came to the, the to the show as well. So uh, he came to, and so did Hannah. Uh, they both came to the Southampton date of the uh, of the Salem Halloween thing on the the, the kind of social distance gig we did. Um, so yeah, he, he seems very pleased recently. I think like it's kind of cool like that. That um, like Hannah's been really super supportive as well. Like, all the guys have, and I think that's a really nice thing. You know, um, I played in bands before Creeper uh, without Ian as well, and I think uh, like Ian plays uh, makes solo records and does his own music too. And I think it's healthy for us all to have things away from it as well. Um, if you uh, are kind of living in time on the same field the time. Uh, you know, like uh, that, that seems unhealthy to me. I think it's uh, I think it's good to kind of spread yourself uh, and, and, and try things that have been One of the cool things I think I learned on the last Cooper round was that collaboration and, and just start being able to stop and, and, and uh, be open to, uh, to ideas. Um, it doesn't always work, but like when it does, I think you can end up with something else that you've never even thought of and what you bring to the table can... Uh, and like combined with what someone else is doing can be really, really cool. So uh, I think uh, we, we, we learned that with Creeper and I kind of um, apply some of that mentality to this Salem thing too. Like, well, it's, well, it's fun once in a while to, like, to do, do something fun. My, my friend uh, makes uh, kind of like Darkwave stuff and he's been sending me files over recently. And I thought I might try and sing on some of that too, uh, just for fun, you know, like that probably won't go anywhere. Like you probably never hear about that ever again, but... Uh, I think that's that's a really fun thing to do. I think it's important, as I said before, to, to keep challenging yourself, keep being creative, and um, in any way you possibly can. Well, that dark wave thing that could be the trifecta. That could be the WMFG. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> Thanks to Will for being so gracious with his time, and you can keep up with Salem at Church of Salem on Instagram, as well as going to their web store, churchofsalem.bigcartel.com, to get all sorts of cool accessories like candles and fingerless gloves, or maybe they have fingers, but they're skeletons. Do skeletons have fingers, technically? Also, Creeper is available at Creeper Cult, so you got the Cult of Creeper, the Church of Salem, either way, it's a religious experience. Next week, church is in session of the Meat Meat variety as we continue our journey through the year 1995. So definitely make sure you come back and check that out. Make sure you also leave a five-star review, a 1995-star review on Apple Podcasts. And follow me and the show at Meat Meat Pod on Instagram as well to keep up with everything coming up with it. I appreciate you spending this time with us, and we will talk to you soon. But until then, my name is Ryan Rainbow. This is Meep Meep, and yes, that's the best I could come up with. Bye! This is Rick Jimenez of the Stiff Shots Podcast Network and host of Thrashers, Slashers, and the Road to WrestleMania, which airs every single Monday where myself and a guest discuss a movie and an album of their choice and the WrestleMania of the same year. This Monday, my guest will be Incendiary and Soldier's Drummer, Green Plant Enthusiast, and all-around good brother, Dan Lamelli. And we're taking a deep dive into 2011 with the Raid Redemption, God is War by All Pigs Must Die, and possibly the lamest main event finish ever at WrestleMania 27. Subscribe on whatever platform you get your Stiff Shots Podcast Network shows at, and run headfirst into a Red Bull truck with Thrashers, Slashers, and the road to WrestleMania.